0: Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or mp3 files can be found on miamighostchronicles.com. Go to marlenepardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms, and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, just visit Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience and I think you are all wonderful hi everybody it's marlene with stories of the supernatural wingman henry here on the side aka hobby how's everybody doing happy mardi gras fat tuesday shrove tuesday whatever you want to call it have a happy one um yep it's uh it's getting into the springtime And for people that are Christian, mostly the Catholics, you know, this is the last day, supposedly, that started uh, back in uh, Epiphany, right after Christmas, where it's like the last hurrah. And I started looking at it because I really didn't understand how Mardi Gras, like uh, back in the, this is pre, you know, Mardi Gras, New Orleans, of course. This is, we're talking 16th and 17th century in Venice, where you have those beautiful masks that you see Um, they got carried away in Venice. They had such, uh, everybody was wearing a mask. So they said that people were basically up to mischief all the time because with a mask, nobody really knew who you were. And of course, you know how that goes, you know, like that, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas because nobody knows who you are. Well, that's kind of what was happening in Venice. So what the Catholic religion, they, they, right. I read that even clergy, even priests and nuns would get decked out in masks and everything and obviously be up to no good so the catholic religion banned it with the exception of that time period from epiphany which is basically um what they call you know when the three wise men came after uh, the traditional christmas of, of december 25th to bring the presents to the baby jesus up to now this was the the time period that the catholic religion said okay it's okay to wear masks all right. In other words, this was have fun between then and now, because up to today, of Tuesday, that you go into Lent, which is uh, another one for um, um, remove meat. OK, uh, it was like, you know, and, and, and of course, you know, we have a lot of carnivals that it's today Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday. But there were people that were celebrating from basically january 7th or 6th something like that all the way up to now up to today so that's a little bit of the history of um of what uh, mardi gras the background of it you know of course there's other traditions let me see if i can i wanted to show you how we celebrate um let's see if i can get this on here i want to show you how we celebrate come on uh, oh come on oh i, I want to show you a picture of uh (laughs) something that uh that we um let's see uh let's see okay now full screen share wow oh anyway i was trying to show you a picture of our float but i don't think it's gonna work but anyway guys um you know obviously everybody knows mardi gras is the time if you look at these uh i mean now new orleans of course is the city where everybody thinks of mardi gras but basically it's celebrated uh i mean a lot of cities have developed reputations for having these wild parties like in brazil and rio de janeiro on well, venice i know in the 1980s they they had a resurgence of the uh mardi gras and the reason why i also we decided was because after a couple of years of the of the the, the thing of the COVID thing where nobody it's like the all these cities that used to throw these wild carnivals—they're back. They're 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 partying, they're partying today. They're partying, so we—that's why we decided to have our own party. But anyway, um, let's see if I can. oh, okay, great. let me see if I can. Hey, oh, and links. Um, well, no, it's not going to work that way. But anyway, we decided. I decided. You know. Like everything, when people get uh, what's what's the word for it? When people have too much to drink and are have a costume on, people do weird stuff. <laughs> okay, or or uh, they, how can I say it? Either number one, who's up to no good, who's up to mischief, says this is a great time to do what I'm going to do, and then there's the other ones. That there's plenty of them that they just fall right into it and when i look back i started looking back and you'd be surprised no i'm not really surprised how many uh murders crimes took place specifically on mardi gras all right and um as a matter of fact do you have any stories from when you were a cop maybe not a mardi gras because i know you were up in the northeast but when people were getting wild and crazy they
1: did sit mm, not really like that but they had um people will would um, use that as an excuse to um, to do stuff. Uh, like sometimes they will have um, certain parades and people got a chance to actually dress up mm-hmm. and they would just stab people. Oh, there we go. Wait,
0: I finally figured this out, guys. I just, let me see. Oh, shoot. Uh, okay. Um no, it, uh, this is uh, <laughs> I um this is our parade here in where we live at. You know, there's a chicken parade, you know, all these floats. This is our Mardi Gras parade here. Yes. It's a two chickens, what can I say? You know, so that's that's our our float, our Mardi Gras float. And then let me show you. Let me see. And this is how also we celebrate believe it or not this is an alcoholic ice cream that they sell at walmart i don't know they might probably sell at other places i'm saying we saw it right henry yeah at walmart we were like looking for ice cream we looked at Let it and we're tell like you. it has a little bit of a kick it to has it. a kick it has a kick okay and by the way they they do card you if when you scan it they come to get proof of age all right we had never come across this it was it's it tastes good we i you what did you I have the coconut a,
1: right? coconut uh, coconut and something else I, i'd actually i actually was a little skeptical i thought it was good it wasn't but when I, I took a
0: spoonful you could only take a little spoonful at a time Yes, right. a kick yes okay we just wanted to bring those two up because we're, we're very vanilla here a chicken float with alcoholic ice cream but anyway getting back to your story i'm sorry go ahead
1: um they tried. They tried doing the the Mardi Gras thing. But believe it or not because it's so people get very weird, especially putting out a lot of um sketchy, interesting people, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So you know like they, they said, everybody ruins a good thing. They tried it for one year. When they when they did it, it was supposed to be a three day event. By the second day, they so, shut it down because by the second day, five people got stabbed. Okay, where was this at? Where did they do this In at? New York.
0: Can you imagine? Because
1: the thing about it, they were going to try to like, the thing about it, it was supposed to be a little bigger every year. Right. So they did like, like a test run. Yeah. And and they, they wanted a lot of people to participate, like the Macy's Parade. Right. And they would actually like say, okay, you know what? Everybody will set up their own crap, right. and yeah, like and, what and, they do and, in uh, And um, in New
0: Orleans that they have the uh, the floats and all that, and
1: everybody would actually be able to, in in a way, represent their place, right? But with a middle Mardi Gras uh, theme, and it was nice. We dressed up because I, I used to work at the clubs, so we promoted at the clubs, right. We, prom- we promoted other clubs, you know, we dressed up, and we dressed up, look, like, wild, and... What happened? It got too wild. No, and everybody wore all their get-ups and everything. It was pretty cool. Um, and we went out, and we were all retarded. We didn't, we didn't even pay attention to nothing. You're all oblivious to stuff. And then they go, Henry, somebody got stabbed. Okay, we got to go. <laughs> we'll promote
0: from within. So this is pre, pre, pre-cop days.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um ran four gyms and four dance clubs in New York. And believe it or not, everybody was pretty upset because the regular people that the good the, the people that were trying to just enjoy themselves mm-hmm. felt really part of my friends really shitty about it because they wanted to have fun. Yeah, but... Everybody was with their girlfriends well, let's face and kids. It,
0: everybody, even back then, they were like, nobody wants to have a festival from the get-go that you're getting people killed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but you know, but it was... Okay, but anyway, I'm going to start. I'm going to give you a little bit of history before Go we ahead. get into some weird ghost stories in between this yes. and paranormal and this. But let me give you... I, I did a little bit of research, okay? And I said, you know what? Um, I know that... They had something uh in, in uh, because I remember seeing it before when I was looking at some of the stuff um that they would dress up in paper gowns. Um, I guess it's one of the traditions for the for the for the thing, and this was like a, an accepted thing as far as the. You know, I'm not sure exactly what the history is on it, but anyway, back in February of 1879, okay. There's a guy by the name of James V. Glynn he's 38 okay and he is a, a switchman at uh, at a railroad track okay let me see if I can find his thing uh, and what happens is and, and and when I think about this okay you know because sometimes people will do really crazy things under the influence of alcohol but then at the same time, you think about it and you're like man this is this is this is like almost like somebody that was a, a sadist okay and, and there's the thing okay he went ahead and there's a lady by the name of mamie herbert all right they're they're having it's of course mardi gras 1879 okay there's there's a dance being held at a place called the moose hall all right and she's got one of these paper costumes on And what he does is he comes up to her, all right? Um, And and, and apparently, obviously, there's a dance. that There were witnesses. As a matter of fact, there were uh, even policemen there. And what he did, what witnesses saw him do was throw liquid from a bottle on the dress, light a cigarette, and then throw the match at her. What what she did was she burst into flames. And uh, there was even another, a deputy, who he got really severely burned, Trying to put her out, and one of the witnesses, uh, there was it was a policewoman back in 1879. That's how they had it. I don't know what, and she served as one of the witnesses that said, "I saw him throw like some type of liquid on her." All right, so obviously, in other words, bottom line, this was not an accidental. Oh, I, my cigarette came, by. he basically lit her on fire. Um, and when you look at it. it you could tell in the thing, um, he, she she dies, okay. She she, I guess she must have been severely burned, and uh, they say basically she burst into flames, all right. And later on, it just drops, you never find out what happened to him. You know, what did he go to jail? Uh, how long did he go to prison? Was he even, uh, was, did he get a any type of severe severe penalty for it. And uh, outcome, he died in 1939. That's what the only thing that I could come up with. He died in 1939, which uh, leads me to believe that, uh, oh, and by that name, um, it, it was one of those things where um, you would think this, it had a lot of, but I, I will tell you something, it's really funny because I noticed that a lot of, not all the time, not all the time, but sometimes when the victims were had questionable backgrounds you know like you worked in uh like either like in the part of the town where like either a cabaret or a bar or a saloon in other words it was kind of common that people got killed and they did not pursue things as hard as harsh as they do and by the way people before you think oh it was a woman it, I, you're gonna see I have a case here of a guy he got killed by his wife and the same thing self-defense and she got off okay it wasn't like and but and, and also in those days it's not like now people went to trial right away right away within weeks and if they were going to jail or execution it was like right away like within a month two months even it, it maybe if they appealed it it would go for maybe one year by the time they went ahead and if something came out of the appeal, in other words, if they were granted a second trial, but not like today, that's 10, 15, 20 years, and no, and things moved along really quick. And um, I'm gonna go now and I'm going to tell a story that I of a personal experience that I had one time when I went to New Orleans, this was many, many years ago. I wanna say it was towards the end of the 80s, 89, 88, around that time period. And um, during the daytime, I did what you know, the French Quarter, and but I also uh, went to the cemeteries. Okay, the uh, the the, uh, the you know, and I'm sure for people that are not familiar with it, all the, the basically because of the water level of New Orleans, there when you go to their cemeteries, they're all above ground. Everything is up, uh, you know, like little mini mausoleums and you know, things like that. So, you know, a lot of people go there, obviously because of the history and it's just a cool thing to, to go look. And I want to say, I can't remember exactly what month it was, but I know it was hot because I was wearing shorts and a top. It was hot. It had to be sometime in the summertime. It was really hot. And I remember walking around and there was one grave. I remember that I, you know, like I said, it was hot, and I remember there was one grave that, it must have been older because the writing on it was like really faded, and I remember like, and then really mostly it wasn't really like a grave; it looked more like a mausoleum, like a family crypt, and I remember that, I leaned against it like to read, like man, this is this is really faded, and, I remember that I put my hand because I felt like a vibration, coming off of it, like you know when you put your hand against something and it. You feel like I was like, man. and I looked around like almost like I wasn't thinking paranormal thinking, man, I'm going to get an electric shock from this. Or, you know, I was, I'm looking around and it's like, is there something connected to this thing? No, there was nothing. There was nothing. There was no type of electrical connection nearby. Uh, nothing. I looked, is there a lot? Yeah. I even, I, I kind of like walked around it, nothing. And I went back, this is the middle of the day. This is the middle of the afternoon. So I'm like, okay, because like I said, I put my weight on my arm and my hand. And the second time it was still there and it felt the stone was so cold. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, well, well, you know, it's nothing like, you know, like, okay, you might have a stone and you'll put your hand, especially if maybe something is locked and it's hot, cold. No, it wasn't like that it was cool. You know, okay, cooler than the ambient. It was cold, cold. That it was like, how could this be so cold? It was like almost like a block of ice. All right. Um, that it's like, it's abnormally like, it's like, and I want to say it was even colder than when I first put my arm against it. I cannot remember the name of the grave because I got so wicked out, so spooked that I just got this like, you know, and, and and again, I don't know if if it was just a feeling that really I was getting from what was going on there uh, or just my instincts, but it, I backed away and I left. Not the cemetery, but I just walked off. It was like, I don't I don't want to even find out because they had a bunch of, because some of these graves, the family shared, there's more than one family member buried there. And it was like, you know what? I, I, I just want to get away from this place right now. And you would think, well, it's not really scary. It's not, but it's very unusual, especially, like I said, when you're not looking, I wasn't ghost hunting. I wasn't doing none of that. I was just being a tourist. I was sightseeing. And, uh, I'm here looking at, you know, because some of these graves are really old and a lot of the writing is just like totally gone. And and, and also at that time there was like, now I hear that there's guides or you even have to pay to get in there. But back then it was like, you're on your own, you know, you figure things out. There was nobody there to go ask, Hey, by the way, has anybody ever, but that was one of my experiences that I had in uh, I had I think it was the Saint Louis Cemetery I don't know which one honestly, but it was one of the ones that had very very old uh, tombs there. What,
1: Marie Laveau.
0: Huh?
1: Was it Marie Laveau? No, it wasn't Marie
0: Laveau. No, and that's another thing because some of these uh, tombs they become famous like Marie Laveau's, and when you go you see they got a bunch of things They people leave things and this this was a very plain nothing there was nothing going on there was no markings. No decorations, no flowers, no nothing. It was like a enclosed kind of mausoleum crypt kind of thing, and it was very nondescript. It was pretty because you could tell it was older. I want to say it had to be um, late late eighteen nineties, early turn of the century. It was because you know th- at that time they were a lot more ornate about their grave things. It was like, but beyond that, there was nothing weird. There was nothing memorable about it. Uh, like Marilla vote, not nothing like that.
1: A friend of mine, when uh, a friend of mine went to New Orleans, right? About a year ago, he actually he went over. That's when we moved down here. There are my friends with him here, mm-hmm. and he said that he was going to New Orleans, and I said, Would you?" Well, I said, "Well, we uh careful tourists," and he goes. And he goes um I want to go see Marie Marie Laveau I heard so many things about it so he found a uh, guide and he went there with, a, with a, his family and a few people and he said that there were so many people hugging that crypt the what Marie Laveau's yeah and no, leaving and, and they were leaving jewelry all kinds of stuff people were actually taking stuff out of their purse taking earrings and leaving like money like quarters and things on and everything there, there. And, and and all kinds of stuff and writing writing notes and writing things and leaving her like what they would like and what they wouldn't what they needed and all this bunch of stuff yeah there's
0: people I, I remember when back and like I said this was late 80s yeah there was um there was some graves or some tombstones that people had left uh your typical or either like voodoo kind of offerings you could tell it wasn't like oh I'm gonna leave a flower or a little statue or something there was a couple but there was some that you could tell that they had some type he of', of making guy
1: that you're making guy that was doing the thing that you're making a French that he was doing that he goes don't touch don't touch the stone or you're gonna remember this day
0: really interesting
1: he goes he goes it's oh. a lot of like really bad juju kind of energy coming out of coming off of that people touch it and they think when they come back, they come back like, you know, trying to find a way to get rid of that attachment.
0: Yeah, I've heard of that. I, I, I'm sure people, you guys have heard of people like um, that have taken, what was the, God, what's Bodie? I want to think, I'm not sure. I know there's a ghost town. I think it's Bodie. I'm not sure. But I've heard it also pertain to some of these uh, ghost towns. Some of them also in um, what they call the the motherlode country, like in California, where they had the gold rush. Bottom line, I've, I've heard this from different where people will take anything a stone anything and uh, you know nobody lives there they, they, they only the caretakers i think sometimes are park rangers if you know if they've become like a, a a park and people will mail stuff uh back saying look after i took whatever it was you know the the, the little doorknob the you know, the trinket the stone because i've heard even from pieces of stone ah, Things have gone south for me and they just mail it back. I wanna say Bodie is one of them, I'm not sure. But yeah, Um, I've, I've heard of that sometimes that, that that some of these places, some of these things, they carry an, an, an energy is like, don't touch. Okay, let's get on to the next story of what happens to people in Mardi Gras, the dark side of Mardi Gras. March, 1930, Tiny, his nickname, Tiny Lawrence from, a former Tulane University football player from Oklahoma was shot in the forehead and wounded fatally in the Mardi Gras festival. Talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Can you imagine? You know that if he's a football player and they call him Tiny, he was everything but Tiny. And he ends up going to Mardi Gras a party and gets shot in the forehead. I couldn't find anything else about what happened with him. For all we know, they, and that's one of the things, if you've got a surge of people running around, costumed, and the majority of people are in different degrees of drunk. Who's gonna say who did what to whom? And even then, if even if you have a witness, it's like, good luck on them remembering. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's, no, I didn't find anything. So I think Tiny uh, went to his tomb with a bullet in his brain. Okay, next one, fast forward to February of 1986, 1936, because again, like I said, you know, uh, Mardi Gras usually celebrated last couple of days of February, the beginning of March. Okay, this is February 25th of 1936. Okay, let me see if I can find this. This was, um, this was a really interesting one. Um, Let's see. No, that's not him. I'll show that to you later. Anyway, there's a lady, She's her name is Estelle Hughes, 29 years old. She has only been in New Orleans for a couple of months. She's originally from Panama City in Florida, okay? And they find her in a remote grassy spot behind the Louisiana and Arkansas Railway Station with a bullet hole, bullet hole in her temple. This is like the morning right after Mardi Gras. Uh, at 6 a.m., a railroad porter finds her body. They start, nobody, The the police reckon that she was that she was shot somewhere else and then dragged and left there. Whether she was alive or dead, nobody knows. All right. So a couple of and again here, the police are totally stumped. They have no idea. Okay. As a matter of fact, let me see if I can. No, that's not it. Let me see if I can show you a picture of. Oh, there we go. This Mardi Gras from nineteen forty-nine. Okay. This is in New Orleans, by the way. Let me see. Here we go. This is 1938, you could sell the amount of people. But anyway, a couple of days go by and a man comes to the police station. His name is Jack O'Day. And Jack comes to the police station complaining that somebody attacked him and robbed him of $200. He's 26 years old and he works as a jockey at a at a fair. Okay, somewhere in there, he said something, did something where the police ask him About this lady that got murdered and his response is I was too drunk to know anything about what happened said I might have shot the woman for all I know now maybe the reason why they asked him that is that his car was found by police a short distance away from where the body was found and a 38 caliber revolver with a spent cartridge lay on the front seat now to top things off not only was this guy a murderer he was a jerk because while he's out partying on Mardi Gras okay his wife is in the hospital having a baby, but she, her her life hangs in the balance because she gets a ruptured appendix. It's like holy crap, you know. Basically, you know, she, she could have died very easily. So of course they're like, so in the meantime, all right. There's a guy named Otho. That's his name, Otho Gray. He's 25. He's a cook aboard the USS Arkansas, and a lady. Ethel Bernard, they're all in their 20s, okay, they they looked them up because somebody said, hey, I saw them with Estelle Hughes who got killed, all right? This is the story they say. Estelle was a hostess at a cabaret. All of these people had come separately to this cabaret. They didn't know each other before that night. Jack O'Day and the other two people, and Estelle who's a hostess there somewhere towards the end of the night they all decide they're going to leave I guess maybe she was off from work or something they're going to leave and they're just going to keep partying together the other two people and obviously they they left in Jack O'Day's car so somewhere along the line Otho and the other lady Ethel tell police hey Right after midnight, he stops his car and he forces them at gunpoint from the car. They, he just says, "Get out of here!" Points a gun at him. They said that they were kind of concerned for Estelle, who left with them, but they're like, "Okay." So now they're and they're saying, "Look, after after we were forced out of the car by this guy, we have no idea what he did, or you know, they. In other words, they couldn't." They couldn't say one way or the other. Now, as it turns out, Estelle had three kids, a, a two boys and a girl. And it had just so happened that her nine-year-old girl, Janelle, had come to Mardi Gras to celebrate it with her mom. Her dad had stayed in Panama City with her little brothers. Okay, And he was supposed to work. Because remember, folks, this is 1936. Things were still rough here in the United States economically because of the Great Depression. Okay, So fast forward. Jack O'Day gets arrested, charged with a murder. Okay, and this guy's life goes sideways. They try to pin a murder on him from Texas five years ago. A guy was killed, a hitchhiker. They think killed him, and the hitchhiker they stopped somewhere. He said he was a jockey. They tried to pin everything on him. Bottom line, that thing in Texas didn't stick. Um, and then into March, he finally he he gets he gets charged with murdering Estelle Hughes, and he goes to trial in November. And believe it or not, and I have no idea why they only convict him of manslaughter. The only thing I can think of is that because maybe he was really, really drunk, really drunk. Okay, now his wife with the baby, the he, she's in the courtroom. Talk about stand by your man. Um, and she, but she tells the, I guess the attorneys, she's planning to go back to Montana. They're they're originally from. Their home state is Montana. In all of this, somehow or other, and I don't know exactly the, he gets, he gets sentenced to serve 40 to 80 years at hard labor in the Louisiana penitentiary, which I think was Angola. Okay. I think that far exceeds the sentence of manslaughter, even though I'm not sure. Bottom line, he gets a new case and he gets a set aside a technicality, not the actual conviction, but what he was said to serve. Bottom line, at the end of the day, the Supreme Court uh, settled on a flat 20-year sentence for him. Okay. Now, what happens to Jack O'Day? Did he serve his 20 years? He was a young guy. He was in his 20s. So he could have served his 20 years, and he would have gotten out in his 40s. Did he die in prison? Because remember, that's another thing. And Henry, you pointed that out to me, okay? which I had totally forgotten about. This guy is a jockey. He's a very short... Jockeys, slim guys. Jockeys in general, because
1: back in New York, um, we knew a lot of people because uh, a lot of jockeys and stuff. Because they had um, before OTB came out, off-track betting, mm-hmm. people used to use bookies, and we knew a lot of um, a lot of jockeys and stuff. We used to hang out with them, and their weight, wet, is like less than one forty. Right, but yeah, but...
0: they're like about four foot eleven. Okay, but. For the purpose of the story, okay, Jack's adventure on Mardi Gras—he wouldn't survive. Prison is the wrong place to be for a guy that's under five feet, and you know, like it served—it served, it served his, his his for him to be uh, a slim, small guy for the purposes of riding a horse. But in prison, that must have been a bad thing. Again, he drops from the radar. You know, the newspapers—they only cover stuff when it's you know, headlines, but what happens to people afterwards, I, n- I never found out anything. And, and again, it's really difficult sometimes because that Jack didn't stand for John, for James, for Jack. I couldn't find anything on him. So I don't know what what happened with Jack, but yeah. Uh, again, and he was, it, 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 it never explains why he shot her. Was he just, he sh- shot her in the temple, okay? So he had to have been at close range she was in the car with they did he try something on her she said no uh it never they never there's no explanation as to why he decided to kill her all right unless it was you know he was in a drunken i don't know and apparently also he had he did have a history of other crimes because as a matter of fact when the they they come back and they're trying to uh, get him a second, like in other words, that he was, the the technicality was that uh, it didn't show that a crime for which he was convicted in Canada would have been a felony in Louisiana. That was the kind of technicality that at least got him from 40 to 80 years to 20 years. Okay. Uh, and by the way, in those years, he would apply to clemency to the state and he didn't get it. So again, another adventure on Mardi Gras.
1: Could have been an, even another thing since even they don't show it, it could have been he did 10 and good behavior, also,
0: you know. And and then, um, getting on to you know, I know I mentioned it that, um, I'm sure, well, I'm not, let me let me not assume that, uh, people have seen, um, you know, contrary to um, uh, eyes wide shut, which you know, they have a lot of the Venetian masks and they and they you know those you know that there's a lot of symbology going on in that movie Eyes Wide Shut and a lot of people say well these are secret society well obviously in in the in the film which was directed by Kubrick and after which he died not too long afterwards um, a lot of people will say well uh, basically he was telling a story within the context of the movie even though it's supposed to be fictional And a lot of people will say, well, uh, a lot of what he depicted was not as fictional as people would want to think. And it goes back to uh, all the masks. If you look at the masks in that movie, they were all Venetian masks. Okay, the costume, um, and a lot of people say that this is still practiced as in modern times, maybe not quite so openly, but uh, behind, closed doors there's a lot of ritualistic um how can I say it? ceremonies and the use of those masks per se are used in other words it wasn't so far but then I found something else which is which is really interesting um and uh let's see this was really uh as far as something that they use in um in uh, another part of Louisiana which is outside of New Orleans. Hold on, let's see if, let's see. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. Okay, let's see if it will allow me to share. Click the screen icon. Okay, let's see if I can do this. Oh this. All right, let's see. All right. There we go. Look at this. All right. As you can tell, this is <laughs> this is this is really um this is a photograph of what they call. This was it's circa 1988. Okay? and they're describing this article as a matter of fact explains something that they do in southern Louisiana okay this is where a lot of the Cajun people live all right and it's something called career the Mardi Gras all right and basically what it does is the idea or the the celebration obviously is Mardi Gras with the with the masks and everything but what it does is these the idea is that these riders go from house to house putting together a Mardi Gras gumbo. All right. In other words, they go from house to house uh, picking up ingredients from, you know, they're going to do like a potluck uh, gumbo thing. All right. So they go on horseback and they stop at these farms and they pick up the ingredients, uh, rice, sausage, chicken, all the stuff that goes into a gumbo um, and they, as you could tell these this is this these are totally different from the masks or the you know the Venetian type masks that you see and this by the way this one that this picture that you're looking at there with a this guy's taking a feathered chicken. Wow this is circa this is 2011. this is not old. this is another one okay um, and basically like it's it's seen this is um, it's basically a way to let off steam before the privations of Lent all right? and uh this is from 1999 that's a lot of beads there okay and this other one right there uh this uh from mamu louisiana circa 1978 the two guys crossing the the bridge all right and then i mean a mask could be anything could be anything uh and even a mask on a hat wow and they uh here they've got the fake rubber chicken you know it's a lot of it is is more modern times it's become that's not a rubber chicken that's a real chicken mm-hmm. all righty then that's not good okay and this is in acadia parish in 2011. anyway um you know all these areas they have their own version like they do all over the world of how they celebrate mardi gras and there's a lot of symbolism in a lot of these things that they wear i mean when you look at them Firsthand, I don't know what the symbology is for that right there, to be honest with you. I'd like to know though. That was in 1988. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, there's stuff, how can I say it, that only um, happens that the only ones that know about are the people in the area. You know, they're, they're the only ones that, that get it. How's that? So, as you could tell, there's, the, you know, yeah, you know, you could think of Mardi Gras, a place that blasts and, you know, girls flashing, you know, everybody that'll look at them and the uh, drinking and the this, but there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on. And as a matter of fact, uh, there there's certain places that, uh, especially in New Orleans, that sometimes, you know how, I'm sure you've heard of ghosts that are anniversary ghosts that are seen on a particular, at a, either a particular date or, At a particular time and from what i understand there's some of them in new orleans which uh, people believe are tied into the mardi gras celebration there's a lot of things went on in mardi gras all right and there's people that would celebrate mardi gras up to a certain time of day like time and then after that they would prudently go home because they knew that later on is when things got really wild and crazy did you ever run across that over there when you were uh well, well, not Mardi Gras, but I know that the that uh, you had a lot of people sometimes that would come partying off those planes.
1: Oh yeah, now see, see people they came off those planes mostly. A, a lot of them were come were the European flights, and they would start they would start partying <laughs> before the plane left their country. Okay, and a lot of them were pretty cool. A lot of them were just laid back, nice but the majority of them, they couldn't handle their liquor, so they were just belligerent drunks and very violent belligerent drunks. And sometimes, you know, and they end up with the wrong cop and, they, they, and the cops bring them to Jesus.
0: Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, Henry, gee, thanks for that. I know what have thought. <laughs>
1: But not the majority. The, but the majority—that's only the occasional few. But the majority of them, they just to sort of have fun. They they, 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 A lot of them start where they were wearing, wearing all kinds of stuff. It's, they were just having fun.
0: Okay. Let, let Let's get back to the ghost stuff. Anyway. Love it, love it. There's a, um, there's a place. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a, It's a, It's a warehouse in the uptown area of New Orleans. And it's considered the most haunted place uh, where people that go, they say people walk around there with hushed tones. And originally it was a local police station where several people died. Um, and basically, you know, one of one of those things where, where they, are you, what, you need your? Yeah. Okay, all right. There you go all righty then but um anyway the um it's, le- it's located near the mississippi river and there's a lot of people that talk about the that there's paranormal occurrences that happen every year and some people have gone in there and uh, they have they just have encounters or feelings uh, and again um one of the women she said she experienced a haunting in the late 1980s in that all of it occurs in the light of day. She says at at night the place a quote at night the place is free of spirit she says so it seems the special haunting is only active during the day. Okay uh there's another one um a ghostly parade has been said to hold a midnight procession down St. Charles Avenue over the years and observers tell of a spectral parade that occurs in the month of January or around twelfth night, which is January sixth. This is the same thing as um, when Epiphany starts, where the three wise men bring. This is, in other words, this is the beginning of basically what they call Carnival. A uh, twelfth night is a holiday uh, in some branches of Christianity, may, marking the coming of Epiphany, all right? And concludes the 12th days of Christmas, all right? Uh, now again in New Orleans but in other places this is the first night an official kickoff to Mardi Gras all right uh, in March 5th of 1878 okay uh, they had uh, as far as the 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 parades and the the floats and all that this was something new um, and apparently there was some type of spectral parade that was seen uh, that nobody could account for all right now you know I know that there's people that could say well um, is is it real or is it what they call a residual or a loop all right uh, you never know you never know um, in reality what you're looking at some and, and you know what you're you're going to have people That will see it, and others don't. You know, they like they say, people that have eyes to see, you see it, and then other people don't. But yeah, and 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 I'm going through some of these things um, so that you get an idea of of what's going on now. After, oh, this one was this one this was this was one of those that uh, that same. (laughs) This is that same year of 1936 when Jack O'Day the jockey shoots Estelle Hughes in the temple and nobody really knows why and he ends up doing 20 years there's another lady okay her name is Lillian McDowell she's 36 years old she gets fatally stabbed near a French Quarter Saloon after drinking with a party of men it turns out that Lillian worked there okay and police start looking for a man named Slim for questioning all right eventually Slim turned out to be a guy named Joseph McQuillow, A.K.A. Slim Cebro, and the, the, it supposedly, she goes, Lillian goes outside with these bunch of men. Among them is Slim, and in other words, everybody knew everybody. You know, like you know the the like the Cheers, you know, where everybody hangs out in the certain bar. But this was more of, I think, of a low lower life kind of bar. And so everybody knew everybody. She goes out and she comes back in, tells the bartender slim cut me she dies two hours later in charity hospital all right now they finally because that's that's another thing back then everybody was known basically like him slim good luck on who is slim so uh they end up finally running him down and a few days later they let him go it doesn't explain why they let him go by the way But this is what I was saying. You see all these stories where people are obviously, there's, you know, a woman gets stabbed. She runs in, tells a bartender, slim cut me. And a couple of days later, they release this man. Nothing more is written about it. And again, this happens where almost the mentality was, almost like the victim brought it on herself kind of deal. You work in a dive, you're drinking and carousing with a bunch of men, obviously which you knew who they were and that they were dangerous so if if you if you got stabbed oh well that's on you lady and um here here if you see it here in the corner in another case uh joseph mcquillow alias slim seabro charged with the fatal stabbing of mrs lillian mcdowell 33 was ordered released yep it happens it actually does happen that Back then, it was, uh, and this was another one. This was from Mardi Gras in 1902. This came out like a little snippet. The usual Mardi Gras murder occurred in New Orleans. One Italian shot and killed another, which leads me to believe that this was very common. You know, Mardi Gras was an expected time that you were going to get people murdered. Whether they were stranger on stranger or they knew each other, you, you, you didn't know you didn't know um one time I was talking to I interviewed as a matter of fact oh my god what was her name I can't remember that I was drawing a blank and we were talking a lot of uh, for example be um, I don't know if, if most people are familiar uh, with the LaLaurie mansion in New Orleans and one of the one of the last one of the last episodes that they did with the witches with uh American horror yeah I want to say four five seasons no six I'm sorry I've lost track of time five seasons back they they basically filmed it in New Orleans and they used the La Lurie, uh backstory Kathy Baker was Lalorie and you know and it was it was yeah, it was an great. interesting it was an interesting uh uh, you know, that was one of the better c- ones Yeah, it was one of the better ones. Anyway, but come to find out, um, it turns out that this house where the Lalauries lived, it had been around for like fifty years. Okay, and contrary to what they, a lot of people think, La- Madame Lalaurie had been already married twice. Okay, she had been married when she was fourteen years old to a guy that was like thirty something. Okay, they're on their way to Spain and she's pregnant. They stop in Cuba, they had to stop in Cuba. She gives birth to a a little girl and her, no, I take that back. I think the guy was like 50 or 60 years old. He drops dead. She has her first child. Okay, and by the way, she's from very well-born French family. And then fast forward, she marries another man. And towards the end, this Dr. LaLaurie, that's tied into the house, he's in his 20s. And she's like in her 40s, okay? She has children that are already grown. And the story is that, behind the scenes, of course, is that he's, he just had arrived from France. He was a doctor, a young doctor, all right? And she gets together with him. And apparently, they one of the things that references was that she became pregnant just so that he would marry her. He ends up marrying her and they have a child. Like I said, she already had daughters, other kids that were old, older and um but she kind of like ran him over and this is a this is when they move into that house where they said that all these horrible things were happening that that they had found you know uh servants and slaves locked up in the attic and that they were tortured and that because in those times what they would do is they would put the kitchens separately okay they were they were not part of the main house in case of a fire and i've heard different versions i've heard where the fire was accidental. Another one where the old woman who was a cook did it on purpose. Bottom line, when it catches fire, all the neighbors run over to help. It's a fire and everybody understands this fire can decimate. They run in there to get the people out and they're getting servants out, people out. And this is supposedly when they made the discovery of what was in the attic. All right. Um, she had already gotten in trouble a couple of times prior to this because of her treatment of what she was doing to the slaves. Now, how she got out of that jam was she was known to take a ride every um, every evening, because this is what people did. They would parade in their coaches. And I guess she realized, man, the the, the, the the nobody nobody's gonna stand for this. This was even her own peers, in other words, is what I'm saying. And she got her daughters, her husband, put them in the coach like they were going to just do their afternoon ride. And in reality, they wrote off and it was too late. By the time they realized they had written off, they went to Mobile, Alabama and from Mobile supposedly took a a boat or ship to Paris, to France. And there was always some question whether she was buried in France or somebody, or she, or that they actually took her body and they reinterred her here in, um, in New Orleans, all right? And uh, yeah. uh, And that house, that house afterwards, it was always known for being haunted in the 1920s. I mean, it served as a school, um, as a uh, one time, as a hotel, as a flop house. Another time, a guy opened it up to house like homeless men, you know, that they could stay there. He would give them food. I mean, that thing went through a bunch of different, God knows, besides the thing of what happened with uh, the Lalauries.
1: But didn't they say that, um... She was afraid to go old, and she was she was pay, uh, producing the, the slave's blood as as makeup. I, I guess
0: uh, you know what? Um, I think that that's like fictionalized. I, I got the, for the show. Yeah, the one of the things that um, I can't remember if it was her mother or one of her uncles was killed. I think it was Martinique or somewhere else, a Carrollton plantation. He was killed. There was a slave uprising. And they killed because everybody's trying to figure out why she did what she did okay why would she do that um and you know i think somebody tried to say well was it this because you know i don't know maybe she was born a psychopath who knows you know sometimes you try to reason that out and you you don't come up with anything uh there was another one in new orleans and um and, and i've been trying desperately and i that, um, what was it, where supposedly a sultan had come in with, uh, and he rents a house somewhere in New Orleans and he brings all his harem with him. And then one day they find everybody (laughs) killed and the sultan, he's like, was I I can't remember if he was buried alive or something along those lines in the house and uh, the reasoning was that apparently when he left where whatever Middle Eastern country had come from, like he had either stolen somebody's want, one of those things. I tried to look for it, and I can't find that. I really think, I don't know, I would, I would want somebody to tell me, so I cannot find any reference to it in anything of of it being factual. How's that, of it being factual? So what was it that, I'm going to ask him because this is not, not Mardi Gras, but what was it that uh, that story that you had told me that there was that guy that had bought that house and he called you and a friend over because he started there was something going on in the in the basement of the house
1: oh yeah um, this friend of my friend bought this kind of like Victorian house it had like three or four floors it had all the crown moldings the whole nine yards and he started renovating it because he uh, he had like four or five kids and each one of his kids wanted their own room. So he was going to use like the top floor where the attic for his office so he could have some peace and quiet. Right. And they started um, soundproofing the room and everything else and he was hearing stuff. He couldn't understand why. Um because his wife was still living in their other house. Okay. So he was just yes, him and the people that worked for him, they were each doing something and they hadn't got to the basement yet because the basement, he was gonna turn it into a rec room because the basement was so huge, it was the size of the house. And it had like eight or 10 foot ceiling. So he, and the, the way it was set up, that the boiler and everything was in the other side of the basement. Okay. So the basement was basically all room. So he, so he wanted to put a bar. He had ideas. Okay. And every time he went upstairs, he would hear something in the steps, or something, and he would actually yell out, and he would say, "Stop effing around and get back to work." So he will go back upstairs. Five minutes later, he'll hear. And then he would start screaming. He got to a point that he actually came downstairs with a bat. He was get back to work or you're fired. And the poor guys were in a corner with their earfo- with their the headphones on and their and their 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 walkman doing their work and they couldn't hear him.
0: Okay, so he's so really then he
1: on. figured out it wasn't them. So he started getting a little paranoid that somebody in the house. Okay. And he was afraid because he had a lot of tools that they would get robbed. So. Uh, fast forward they fixed up all the rooms so then he started going to the basement he hadn't gotten inside the basement yet so he went looking around he didn't realize that in the basement they had like a couple of breakout rooms right in the walls so he they started knocking and it was sounding hollow he was afraid that it might be like concrete rock okay so one of his guys said no no, no we'll drill the hole and will pull it out slowly. There was another room in there. It was like a torture room. It had um, things on the wall. It had a breakdown table, to drain blood. It had a whole bunch of like. It it looked like something out of a out of a Rob Zombie movie. Literally, and he started freaking out. Because he thought, okay, what am I, what am I, getting into? Right. Um, are they going to take my house? I still old about another thirty years. Oh. So it, he, so he started panicking. So what we did, what we call a friend of ours, is a cop. Uh, they lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey. So he said, like, he said, like, buddy, come down here. So he goes, Paul, I can't tell you over the phone. Come down here. And when Paul walked downstairs, he went, ah! What are you guys doing? But what was I mean, Well when he walked downstairs when he saw the wall was. was off the, the the wall was off the wall. Right. And he looked in there and he was, What the hell are you idiots doing? He was no, no no, I don't wanna know. He was no moron, come here and this is what happened. He goes, My suggestion to you clean all this up, get rid of it, and leave it at that. So he helped us out. We, we called a container and we cleaned everything up and he spackled everything and made it all nice and pretty. So he says, okay, all right, we'll put it everything like that. Three days later, he heard like sounded like a drill in the basement and he went down there and when he started walking around, he saw blood splatter on the floor where they had already sanded the floor and they already cemented the the floor. Two days later, he already spent like close to about two thousand dollars, speckling the uh, cementing the floor, and shining it. Goes, he goes back down, carrying all his books and his office stuff, and he finds like not little dots on the floor, but the size of like this on the mm-hmm. on corners of the floor, with blood. So he said so But like blood blood or red blood or like shiny sticky No blood? no 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 like it looked like it was blood like dry blood. Okay, okay. So then they had already like framed where that room was and made it all nice and pretty, put tile on the walls, but then he looks in the corner and on the tile there was blood. Now how could there be blood um tile that came out of a box. Good question. So he started saying, he, he, said, he, said, he called me up, he called Did me he up, <laughs> he sounded like Pee Wee Herman. Henry, get over here. So we called all our friends and everybody dropped what they were doing because he was our good friend. So we went over there and we go, Marshall, what the hell? And he goes, he goes, look, Call, call Trish. I go, why? Because I'm putting the house on the market. <laughs> see? That, I, I, that's, I go, usually, that's usually a good solution to things. I go, I go, She goes, you know what? No, he goes, you know what? I spent too much effing money on this. I already, we already went over this scenario five or six times. So what did they think? What, in the end? What, what did not. they not. They called, they called this guy, not one, not one of those idiots from the, from the Travel channel. He actually got. He actually got a legitimate person. They went down there, and when he walked through, he felt like he was walking into a, into a into a beat locker. And he said, he said that he goes, he goes. There's so much bad juju in this place. You guys need to get the hell out of here like yesterday, because. And he goes, and you need to save this this house, save yourself, and get out because whatever it's in here, it's gonna to wanna to go with you. He was oh. out of there like within like minutes. He had somebody else come down,
0: packing stuff. <laughs> but, but as in like serial killer or like uh or did he- He says,
1: he said, he doesn't know. He said that whatever was in there, oh, uh, obviously. He, he said he, he believes it was the owner of the house. It was actually like using Why that house. Why else would
0: you have a torture room in the basement of no, your no, house? No, no,
1: no, no, he was using it as a kill room. Wow. And, and, and he, so he, and we started messing with him. We started like, okay, we got dips on the drill. Yeah, right. You're not
0: coming back, we got this. Yeah, I'm sure you appreciated the humor.
1: Oh, no, no. So He's did like, he sell it? No, he sold it He sold all his tools. He got, he was so paranoid that he didn't want to touch anything in that house. He goes, I'll buy everything new, I'll buy everything new. So he went, he didn't even go back to get everything. He got, he had somebody, he had somebody pick up, pick up his Cadillac. He left, he goes right to a hotel. He, he uh, to pick up his Cadillac, the trailer, everything. out
0: I, I take it, he, the, the person didn't find out? No,
1: no. Like he so made pe- everything pretty. <laughs> yeah. He, um he put cover paint on everything. He uses paint that they use in the mortuaries to cover blood. It actually sucks up the know. blood and, I, and camouflages it. I didn't know about it only, that. It only lasts. It only, it, it, you have to keep on doing it often. But it, it, it covers it up. And the house originally was worth about almost $2 million. So he so he got it for like 500 He sold it for a million and a half.
0: Okay, so still. Amy made money.
1: You know, now and today, today that you have to disclose everything, he will not sell that house.
0: So did he ever want to find out who, who the, if he goes, saying,
1: I don't want to know. He, he goes, you know what? I don't want to know because of the fact that I'm just mad that I found a house that I like and I couldn't buy it. He goes, but when something's too good to be true, it usually is. <laughs> so then he moved to South Jersey near the shore and went less is best. He bought a, a house right on the beach with, with, with three floors. And before he moved in, he ha- he goes in his brand new. It's only a year old. Yeah. And he had, <clears throat> he had the whole house checked out. He brought every psychic on the planet to check it out, blessed it. I'm surprised he didn't get the Pope.
0: <laughs> okay, let's go to the last, my last story of weird... Uh... Okay, here we go, here we go. This is a, again, this is Mardi Gras. All right, February of 1949, there's a millionaire from Virginia. His name is James A. Mahoney, 56 years old. He's on his way to Mexico or somewhere in South America. And he stops, I guess he's thinking, I'm gonna stop in to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, checks into the Monteleone Hotel. And he had told the staff, Give me a six a.m. He had to wake up. In other words, to fly out. He he was, he was like a bellboy finds his body the next morning. All right. So there, everybody's trying to retrace. He was last seen seen drinking with another man about two hours before he's killed, and basically he was beaten to death. He was beaten to death in his room. He was a slight guy. His nude body was lying on a blood soaked bed with a blood drenched towel not around his neck, and his neck had been broken. All right. And the police found later that the killer had washed the hands from his the blood from his hands and a wallet and a gold watch were missing all right now the police start. they put out a a bowl or uh you know they, they say they're looking for a guy um over six feet tall weighing over 200 pounds very broad shoulder ruddy complexion finally on march 1st Okay, we're talking almost a month later, they arrest a guy named Lewis Hoover, age 25. Okay, they questioned him, and he admits to having dinner with Mahoney a few hours before the murder. But that's it, right? Now, what's really funny is that morning, he admits himself, he was a veteran from World War II, he admits himself to a veteran's hospital in the area their psych ward, the morning of the murder, right? So the police are questioning him, he tells police he doesn't remember anything after having dinner with a millionaire until he woke up in a different hotel the next morning. All right, and he's telling police, I bumped into this guy on a downtown street. We window shopped and he asked me if there was anything he could buy for me. And they, later on, they dined at a French Quarter Cafe. And then he says, he's telling police, I blacked out, quote unquote, I blacked out. However, he had bloody bruises on his hands and there was bloodstains on his trousers. Never a good thing. Um, So they get a hold of the Louisville, Kentucky police, all right, because apparently he tells him this is where he's from, and they tell him, hey, this guy's been arrested seven times, ranging from disorderly conduct to grand larceny, and his arrests even go to before a uh, pre world uh, to 1939, and he was also once hospitalized at a veterans hospital in Topeka, Kansas. Now. Um, in the middle of all this, they're holding him. His wife comes to see him at the police station and she tells police, quote unquote, definitely he was a mental case. He, she tells him they got married in her hometowns in Kansas and that they had supposedly come to New Orleans on their honeymoon. Now in one one article I read she was pregnant, another one there wasn't. Uh, and she tells them, I'm afraid of my husband her name was Alberta Stroh, and this is what she tells him. She says that after their marriage, they come to New Orleans, and he'd be persuaded to become a B-drink, like a B-boy, in a Canal Street bar. And she explains that what she's supposed to do is she's supposed to entice male customers to buy drinks, and once they're drunk, to obtain their money. I take it, obtain is like, rob them? And she says she quit because she was too soft-hearted to roll the customer. And when she quit, Hoover hit her in the stomach, so she left him. And that's, of course, you know, between that and that maybe he was crazy is why she's telling police that she's afraid of her husband, okay? Now, if you look at this guy's youth, he was, when he was younger, he was already in a reform school in Louisville called Ormsby Village, all right? So apparently he had been getting in trouble for a long time. All right, bottom line, by mid March, he gets indicted in the murder of this millionaire, uh... And, uh, he tells police at the beginning, you know, I guess they're asking him, why did you do that? He goes, well, we got in a fight because this millionaire Mahoney called his bride, a name, quote unquote, a name. All right. And when the police are questioning, he faints on them. All right. Later on, it turns out that apparently what had happened was that, um, James Mahoney had made homosexual advances on him and there was something there that was really weird because uh, later on he admits he took a shower in the guy's room and they were in the bed together nude and then something, I don't know at what point, he just went crazy on him and ends up killing him. Uh, They fast forward a couple of months in July, they do what they call a lunacy commission, which is basically to decide is he sane or not. And they find that he's sane. that, in other words, that he can tell right from wrong. And he's, he says, oh, thank God. I know I'm not insane. I'd rather go to the electric chair than to have them find me insane. I know I'm innocent. Hmm. Be careful what you say. Bottom line, by the end of the year, like I said, things moved along quick back then. He murdered this guy in February and by December he was found guilty and he would be facing execution in the electric chair. All right. Fast forward to May of 1951, he's granted a new trial. This time he enters a plea of innocent by reason of insanity, all right? And a neuropsychiatrist says, this guy has a psychopathic personality and passes through periods of mental derangement. What triggers him, who knows? All right, so in October of 1952, we're already two years, a second jury, in other words, they give him another new trial, they find him guilty with a verdict that carried an automatic penalty of life imprisonment. In other words, the only thing that the second trial did for him was it got him off death row and got him life imprisonment at hard labor. Okay, the day after he arrived at uh, Louisiana State Prison at Angola, he was had to be confined to the solitary after he staged a one man rebellion for refusing to enter a camp to which he was assigned. Then in August of 1953, he had to be taken to the mental hospital after slashing his arms with a piece of glass and shouting hysterically, I'm being persecuted. And he died in 1969. Okay, so as you could tell, a lot of weird things happened in Mardi Gras. And those are the stories we know about, okay? There's a lot of other stories that people never heard about. And like I said, in if it happened, if you were like, for lack of a better word, a plebeian, like a nobody, or God forbid, you were, in you know some type of uh yeah, underworld divey kind of stuff police didn't break a sweat trying to figure out like i said one lady they they set her on fire and the other one um you know she she got stabbed to death she even said so-and-so killed me and oh there was did did uh yeah i, I did the one about the the one that she shot her policeman husband did i say that one uh, I think so. Okay, all right. Yeah, about Lillian Rodwell, who she went back and she, yeah. uh, she shot her husband four times. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't always, believe it or not, male on female. This lady, she, apparently there was a history, she shot her policeman husband with his own revolver and she got acquitted on self-defense. It's
1: a funny
0: thing. <laughs> and this was what, like 1936, that a lot of people think, no, I'm telling you, uh, apparently back then, uh, Things didn't, there, it's not like it is today. Uh, and, and as far as the lady that I um, interviewed, if you guys want to look it up, her name is Kalila Smith. She, I don't know if she still does. Like I said, a lot of things have changed with the last two years of the COVID as far as tourism, but she used to, for many, many years, uh, she did a lot of the tours in the French Quarter, in the Car of all these, of the older houses and things like that. And she has a lot, if you want to, I'll put a link to her interview, which was about three or four years ago of um, interesting, you know, interesting stories. In other words, because I asked her, you know, how much of these historical tours are supposed to be haunted, are really haunted versus pretend. And she basically gave me the truth on that, uh, of what really happened in some of these houses. And uh, let me ask you, I know you had told me that there was, what what was that uh, disco? that you said that weird stuff used to happen at or that that they used to see some dancer that really turned out. What was that? I can't remember what the name of the, of the. Um, I know you told me that story a long time ago. And, well, don't you remember that you told me that you were on the DJ thing? Oh. And that you could look down and that you guys, after a while, you kept seeing, why yeah. is she always dressed in the same dress or something like
1: yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we th- we, we th- I used to work at this club um, called the Fun House. We worked at a few of them. We worked at the Fun House, Latin Quarters, Palladium, and and the Fun House. The cool thing about the Fun House, the the you went into the mouth of a clown. Okay. The the front of the thing was a clown, not a huge clown, but it was like a face of a clown, and you went inside. It had three floors, and it had an arcade the whole nine yards. So it's like the if you guys ever saw? Thank God it's Friday. That uh, the hands were a gorilla, right? And the booth was off the ground. Yes. No, they couldn't afford the hands of a gorilla, so 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 the booth was still off the ground. Okay. Um, no, that that that's that you gotta have um, you got <laughs> you gotta have money, and, and they um. They used to let us run the place, so it was pretty cool, you know. You, you we had the keys to the place, right. so well, uh, so we would come early. So we could practice our, well, and talk about what songs we're gonna play and who's gonna go first and stuff. And sometimes if we have friends or girls that want to come in and bring us food and hang out, we would let them. And for some reason, then we we'll get we had a sofa. We pay for that. We had a sofa inside the the DJ booth, and the girls or our friends would sit there, and then we would like look at the at the station. Some of them will go dancing and and tell us that they like the music. And every now and then, we get distracted. We were like, what the F? We did let her in. And the chick will be actually wearing the same thing. I go, That's, and then we would just have an inside joke. You go, doesn't this chick take a bath? And, and it was always the same thing. And then when we would send one of the girls to go down there to kick her out, they're like, where is she? And then I would grab the mic and say, look for her and it's like and, and this happened for a few times and then, the and renegade
0: then, disco crasher
1: and then we we called the owner this greek guy who owned the the, the the place i think he bought us a tax write-off and we asked him i go look um is there anything going on here anybody living in one of the crevices in your in your joint that 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 we gotta know they're gonna be stealing our stuff they go, what you talking about, Henry? I go, leave me alone. I go, I go, dude, I don't want to get robbed. Is there anybody in here? He goes, lock door. No problem. I said, okay. So we locked the door. It kept on happening for about a week. So his wife did the accounting. So, okay. So... Uh, we went and cornered her into her office. I go, Lila, did anything happen here before? And she's the only one of the two who spoke perfect English. She goes, Oh, you wanna know? Okay, sit down. Sometimes she's just
0: asking the right person, isn't that I go, one? Oh.
1: She goes, we, we she goes, this was many many things before we turned into a club. She goes He goes, Didn't Harry tell you people die here. Oh, many people die here. You're like, I thanks. said, what the hell? They go, no, no. He goes, people die here not at the same time, but at different times. And, you know, like, and, and this was before, he goes, before we fix it up, this was faulty floors, faulty walls. <laughs> so people working here got hurt. And they would just cover it up. They wouldn't tell anybody. So, Why not? and I go, what about the girl? He goes, was there a girl? She goes, yeah. She was the daughter of one of the owners of the building. She fell through the floor all the way to the basement and snapped her neck. That'll do it,
0: haunting-wise. And
1: I go, why is she dancing? She goes, because she will come from, from a dance club and come meet her father here. Wow. And that must have been one of her favorite dresses. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And I'm like, can you tell her to leave? <laughs> and she goes, you got joke, Henry. I don't do that.
0: It's like, so what happened? to you? We're paying see... you. Did no, you but no, her? but
1: what we did was, what we did was, I spoke to my mom. Okay. And my mom knew somebody that did spiritual stuff. Okay. I go, and I and I went. We had a, a phone in the booth, and I go, I go, and I told her, I go, mom saying one of say one of your crazy friends, with a with a garbage bag of sage, come over here to the club. I'll pay your way. And get this chick out of here. So that they must that this that place smelled nasty of sage for about a month. What I think happened? I must say sage, sage every crevice. So what
0: happened? Did she disappeared She left.
1: She left. There she she left. She left. And the thing about it, is I, I don't think she meant any harm. No. But she was just creeping
0: us out. And she was always wearing the same dress. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah, it's like, okay, she could have took her spiritual bath. Okay, all right. (laughs) Anyway, guys, happy Mardi Gras. Fat Tuesday. Have a good time. We are, like I said, you know, we're going to enjoy our alcoholic ice cream proof bourbon caramel. Okay. And uh, we already put our parade, our float to bed. Okay, so <laughs> it's like, anyway, guys, have a good time. Uh, stay safe if you are going out there and doing any crazy stuff. And please come back. I have a lot of great shows with normal people. Or, well, no, not nor- no normal is boring. Why be normal? Uh, I have a lot of good uh, guests hey, coming am on. not normal? Shh, no, you're not. And you know you're not, thank God. <laughs> anyway, um, please come back. I have a lot of great guests. Uh, coming on the show. And until next time, take care.